With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got a lot of spring football to talk about, then a lot of media pressers um, to get to. The outside linebackers and ha- position coach Bobby April talked to the media, so we'll break down everything from that room. Uh, also got the running back room, Gary Brown, um, and talked about Jalen Berger, talked about the rest of the, the running backs in that room, so some nice uh, tidbits from that. Uh, Paul Chris also had a convo after their first open practice to the media. We've got some official visits to let you guys know and update you on. It's a lot of football um, in this episode, but in, right now that's kind of the big thing going on. Um, so that'll, of course, be our focal point with spring football and, and spring practice well underway and uh, continuing on this week. Matt, how are you this morning? Doing great. Yeah, Spring practice is in full swing, and at the this point, it seems like that's kind of dominating the major news, at least in Wisconsin sports, outside of uh, the the ongoing look for the the new athletic director after Barry kind of announced that he's not going to be there. But but yeah, I'm I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, that's that's the other big uh, looming news piece that I I think we all kind of keep forgetting about is that someone's got some. Big shoes to fill, uh, stepping into Barry Alvarez's role. I can't imagine um, much bigger shoes across the college athletic world than, than stepping into those. So that'll be an interesting thing to watch shake out as well. But right now, um, it's pretty much all spring football, and I think it's exciting to, to kind of hear from some of these position coaches, especially you've heard from some of the players as well. But, you know, Bobby April, Gary Brown, guys that you don't hear from all that much in in season. You know, you usually hear from Paul Chris, Jim Leonard, Joe Rudolph. The the rest of the position coaches don't always get to speak to the media. So it's nice to hear um, where the guys that are spending kind of their focal point uh, of time as position coaches and what they're seeing because that kind of gives you a good indication of what's going on in spring practice that way. So we can start at the outside linebacker room with Bobby April. He he mentioned a lot of different things, talked about a lot of different guys. I think there's some interesting things that we could get into with that outside linebacker room that um, that is a really key position for some of these guys to step up. So anything in particular you want to start with or that you took from uh, his media session? Well, it sounds like some of the young guys are really stepping up and, and might have a good shot at getting on the field this year. I know he specifically mentioned C.J. Getz. Uh, Spencer Lytle, Aaron Witt as guys to look out for that are kind of putting themselves in a position to to play it come fall. Nick Herbig's probably still going to be penciled in as a starter, and I know Noah Burks, who has also got uh, interviewed, is kind of dealing with COVID right or a 
COVID having to sit out for practice. So I, I think overall you, you got to look at kind of what they had to say about those those guys as encouraging. I know they also talked about uh, T.J. Bowlers and King Johnson being out right now, but T.J. Bowlers looking like he's got a maturity and a ability to play um, sooner rather than later. But, but I think just the emergence of a lot of those young guys, especially a guy like Spencer Lytle, who can do a lot of really nice things in coverage, that's something they didn't necessarily have last year, I think uh, could really help them. And, and you saw him and Witt really come on at the end of last season. So I think it'll, they've got a good group and a good um, bevy of experience there. Yeah, I think that was the main takeaway was was those younger guys, you know, taking taking some reps and and really making headlines a little bit. I know um, Bobby April's comments that you know if you were in a street fight, you want Aaron Witt with you. I think that makes a lot of sense and and fits for him, and and that's what you want as an outside linebacker, someone who's going to get after the quarterback. Um, you know, similar in in that kind of room, Spencer Lytle, like you mentioned in coverage, you get a lot of different things from each of those guys. You know, Witt is, is maybe a little bit more of a pass rusher. Lytle can, of course, do a little bit more in pass coverage that way. So to have some young, viable options to give you some depth there, you know, I know part of his comments were, you know, Noah Burks still needs to get better and how can he become better and, and not just be, I know I believe he said, not just be an outside linebacker, be an impactful outside linebacker because I think last year there was times where, he, he probably, by his own assessment, had a little bit of a down season last year and wants to bounce back. Um, so if that happens, I know, of course, you mentioned he's battling um, COVID, so that's part of it, too, where maybe he's not getting the reps right now, but for him to really advance moving forward, if he doesn't, you've got that depth behind with, with some of those guys that it's important. So to have some options at that outside linebacker position, I think are going to be really good because last year you didn't have as much flexibility there. You were hoping some of these guys came along, and towards the end they did last year. But if you can go into this season having three, four, five, six guys that you can really feel comfortable with playing at that outside linebacker spot, um, I, I think that would be really important for Wisconsin, who likes to rotate in guys, have fresh bodies that can do a lot of different things, and you know get guys comfortable um, in, in the position that they're in. Yeah, especially with how different – uh, in the Big Ten teams offensively are. You you look at, you can go from one game against Iowa where they're going to try to run it at you and do a lot of the same things as Wisconsin, but then you might have to go against Purdue who's going to air raid you. And so you need guys who have uh, varying uh, skill sets that you can kind of use at different situations. And um, bringing it back to our conversation from last week's podcast, the second one, um, Isaiah Green-May, he's been out with an injury. It's The kid can't catch a break, can't stay healthy. And we both mentioned that he was a kid that really needed this this spring, really needed an opportunity here to to find a niche, find a role on in that room. And right now it seems like some of those younger guys are bypassing him or continuing to hold him off because he, he's not available to play. And I think that's another thing that was, was pretty notable from uh, the press conference. Yeah, that was the other thing I took as well. You know, when you when you listen to into those pressers, you hear about the guys doing really well or making splashes, making impacts, and that's great. But then you think of, okay, well, if those guys are, are making jumps up, who are the guys that maybe aren't stepping up? Or, uh, like, the, of course, you mentioned dealing with injuries. And Isaiah Green May is, is sounded like a guy that, that's in that spot once again where he needed probably a strong spring, and now you're battling with an injury. Some guys that are younger than you are impressing. It puts you in a really precarious 
precarious and in a somewhat tough spot because I'm sure for Isaiah Green May he wants to be out there and compete, but once again battling injuries that that really hampers your ability to do that. If you can't be out there to practice, it's hard to get reps. It's hard to beat out guys that are that are out there. So that's a, another tough blow for him. It seems like it, it fit really into our conversation, like you mentioned last week, where we were talking about it uh, time and time again. This certain group of guys, and and Paul Chris kind of mentioned that there's. There's a group of guys, um, you know, what well, we can talk about his presser a little bit later, but he mentioned a group of guys that, that are this spring practice is really important to, to get them moving up. I would say Isaiah Green May is, is kind of in that category, and unfortunately for them, him battling injuries is, is not going to help his cause and advance him to getting back on the field. So hopefully he can get healed up and, and make an impact. But if not, you know, some of these younger guys sound like they're ready to go in, in case and, and step up in that situation. Yeah, it seems like it's going to be a good battle, I think, as mm-hmm. outside linebackers specifically. And that's something that April brought up is that there's a lot of guys have made nice strides, and now it's just trying to hammer out the depth chart because you look at Burks, he's probably going to be one of your starters unless somebody bypasses him. But then when with him out, you had Herbig and C.J. Getz getting um, the, the most consistent first-team reps with the deep first-team defense, and, and that leaves you with, Lytle, who's supposedly coming on. Aaron Witt, who I who's just physically, he's he's got everything you want in terms of size, and 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 that's that's a that's a lot of different players who can get in on the action there. And, and really, you're probably going to go four deep most of the time. So one of those guys is going to going to see a smaller slice of the pie, and hopefully they can they can hammer that out this summer. But it's a big opportunity for some of these guys to to figure out a spot in the years going forward because Burks is going to be entering his last year. Yeah, it's certainly a position that will be, it seems like every year, um, you know, the last couple of years have been a spot that you, you can really turn a lot of your attention to to watch because it's such an impactful position. You've seen it when Wisconsin really has outside linebackers that can you know, make plays in the run game but also get after the quarterback, how different their defense can be. And when they have guys that, that don't do that, it kind of puts a little bit more pressure and struggle on their other positions out there. So in, in Jim Leonard's defense, outside linebackers seem to be, you know, one of the top positions in terms of importance of, of making things happen, causing havoc um, for the opposing offenses. So seeing how that group battles out and, and finishes up, of course, this fall when you kind of see who ends up being in the top of the depth chart is going to be fascinating because – I know you, right now you've got Herbig. I think it would I think it'd take a lot for him to be bath, passed up, and you've probably got Burks. But I would say both of those are, are, are guys that, like you said, are going to be in a rotation, and you're going to want some, some high-quality players. So if you've got depth there, if you've got talent there that can, that can rotate in, I think that elevates your defense even more. So I think in terms of positions to really, really watch for outside linebackers is going to be one to certainly keep an eye on. Yeah, without a doubt. I know you alluded to Paul Christ press conference where he talked about talked after that first open practice. Uh, what kind of jumped out to you from that? Uh, I think what I really took he talked a lot about the wide receiver room, which was something that I kind of looked at because I know that there's been some guys in Shimmery DK who's who's kind of been battling injuries um, this spring, so he'll be part of the top four. But I again, kind of going back to our conversation. Um, was the development of A.J. Abbott. And, and I know he said A.J. You know, is a guy that, again, similar to Isaiah Green May, probably that this spring football you know, session is really important for. Notes that he needs to take advantage of it and, and take advantage of the remaining practices going along the way because you've still got Davis, Pryor, 
Jack Dunn. You'll have DK. You'll you'll have Devin Chandler in there as well. So a guy like him to to really make or break once again, kind of looping it back there was was really important. So I, I think that part was was telling, and then also just how valuable he he stressed what spring practice is to a lot of these guys. You know, some of these young guys haven't had that spring practice before. Um, and, and seem to be taking advantage of what they're kind of, uh, of the opportunities that they've got. And I think that's really important because, again, I know we sound like a broken record when we say this. The spring practice sessions are, are so important for some of these younger guys. Even if you've been through it before, it's important, but I think it's especially overly important for the guys that haven't in terms of development, getting reps that you don't always maybe get in fall practice and in the game week. So um, I, I think those two things were the big things that stood out to me. Yeah, I, I think those definitely jump out. And in, in building on that camaraderie, that was something that mm-hmm. was brought up by by Chris. That was something that they felt like it wasn't there quite a, like to a normal level last year, probably because you were doing a lot of your team building, a lot of your other um, off-season work was through Zoom. This year you have that spring session to not only build that communication, build relationships. You've got a lot of guys who, who are pretty young in the program, so I think – you're right that this spring is is huge in a lot of ways. But back to AJ Abbott, I think I think you look at not only based off of what Paul Chris said, but then you also look at um, kind of how what he was able to do last year getting on the field, and, and then when it came to actual practice, he got a lot of of reps with the ones because you had Pryor who was down and as well as DK who was limited. So I, I think it was a, a good sight to see him and Davis being, you know, the top two guys and, and having done work the slot still primarily. But um, I, I think that room, if you have that those five cemented where you have Danny Davis, Kendrick Pryor, Jack Dunn in the slot, Tim Ray DK as, as really that third wide receiver that can help you out in a lot outside or inside. And then, A.J. Abbott is the, the fifth guy. I think that's a pretty solid group and, and definitely should be a lot better than what it was last year. Yeah, I, I think that group will be much improved. Of course, injuries are the big thing there with, with Davis and Pryor working back off of those. You've got a couple of them that have been banged up on and off. So the, I think the health of that group will, will go a long way in, in some serious improvements. But in, in terms of, yeah, having a, a top five on paper, you, you see the talent there. You know, last year, Jack Dunn was a guy that really stepped up when some of those injuries were happening. Shimmery DK stepped up when some of those injuries were happening. So I think that group um, is really going to be something special if they're you know able to stay on the field. I think you'll see um, a big improvements from them. You'll see big improvements, of course, from Graham Merch, just having that um, relationship with those guys, a uh, spring practice to really work with them. So I'm excited and and I think, you know, when we look at the offense last year, there were big parts of it. I think those injuries were a huge part of it. So if those guys are out there and healthy, I think this offense will take a big step up. And I think that will really create, um, you know, some offensive firepower that you can have in the passing game. Because we'll talk about the running backs room in a little bit. You might, maybe you're throwing it a little bit more when you don't have as much depth in the running back room as you want. Um, so I think an, uh, an improved and better passing game is really going to be important this year. Yeah, for sure, and, and I know you, you mentioned injuries um, multiple times, and that's something that still jumped out, I think, mm-hmm. from, from spring practice, and Paul Chris talked about that. You look at who is all hurt. We mentioned that you had DK and Pryor who, who were either not available at all or weren't going in team, but then you had Burks out. 
You had both your nose tackles, Keanu Benton and Bryson Williams, not in. So you had Gio Paez getting a lot of run there, which is great for Paez's development, but not necessarily great for the, the development of either Williams or Benton, who are probably going to see more playing time there. And then you had three different cornerbacks who were out. You had Deron Harrell, who, like we mentioned last time, he was the guy that, that we said this is a big spring. Samar Melvin, the kid we've seen play as a true freshman, but then didn't see much of last year because of injuries. And and then um, Fayon Hicks also, he, he had the, the vaunted two-leg injury, which is never great, and um, and Mike Masclunas. So you had a, quite a few guys banged up, and while that's great because a lot of these guys are upperclassmen, it gives younger guys a chance to practice, and they're probably being um, pretty cautious with it. It doesn't. It still goes ahead and it affects their ability, especially for a young guy like Chimre Dike. You want him getting as many reps as possible. And that running back room that we're going to talk about, there was a bunch of injuries as well. So I think injuries are a, a big thing right now, which probably comes about mostly because you just haven't had those practice reps. You haven't gone up against that grind where you're taking hits. You're getting back used to a lot of that. And, but But that's definitely something that jumped out to me as well. Yeah, I mean, some of these might be a situation where there's overcautiousness, like you mentioned, these guys are getting ready and getting their bodies back to getting into football shape. I'm sure it's a lot different than just being, you know, working out and, and all that. You're making the, making cuts, you know, going against somebody, I'm sure that's all a lot different compared to just being, you know, in the weight room and working out that way. So you're going to have bumps and bruises, aches and pains that way, but you definitely don't want to see that long list anytime and throughout a football season. You don't want to have all those guys banged up because, like you mentioned, it, it just hurts their development going forward, you know, especially, yeah, a guy like Jim Ray D.K., uh, Smart Melvin, younger guys, you know, some of these older guys you can you know, that have been through spring practice before, you can weather the storm. And, you know, it's not make or break in their situations, but um, it's certainly you want to see anytime you're, you have a football practice, you want to see everybody out there and get reps. So, when there's other ones not out there, that's, uh, of course, unfortunate. And you mentioned the, the injuries with the, the running back as room as, as well. You know, Jalen Berger was banged up. Julius Davis was were banged up and out with injuries um, this past weekend. Um, so that Correndo, too. Yeah. Like yeah. He, he, he got hurt for a while, too. So Yep. All of them are, are, are a little bit banged up. Um, and, of course, Correndo you know, came off injuries that way and is a little bit injury-prone already. So I think – when you kind of transition to the running back room now, I, I think the depth of that room, you're already starting to see maybe some aches and pains. And thankfully it's in, in spring practice. It's not like you've got to get ready for a game. But you, when you've got all three of them that have kind of been battling some stuff, that uh, that is a little bit of a red flag as well. You know, you've got time, but it's certainly concerning as you go into a, a football season with a little bit less depth than you're used to having there. I think that could be something to really keep an eye on. Yeah, 100%. And I think it can continue that door for Brady Shipper just continues to get op- op- wide open. Um, and it's getting more open by the day because we mentioned that we, you can see some of the similarities in terms of Garrett Groshek and what he can bring. And, and that's, he was a walk on that they tried to get on the field and they've, they've seen early get on the field and that he has receiving ability, playing a different high school position and, and he's really, has the best, probably the one of the best blocking capabilities. So I think I think if you're looking at it right now, um, based off of who they are, they brought to the interviews. I would assume one, two are probably Berger, which go figure. But then um, 
They want Isaac Rendo to be that second running back, but he's got to get past these hamstring injuries. But because um, because you got to be available to play. But I, I think Brady Shipper right now is probably your third on the depth chart uh, when you don't bring in, not including those freshmen coming in. Yeah, I mean, right now you got to go with what you've got, and, and without those freshmen in there, it's you, you don't have a ton of depth. So those guys might have a chance once they get on campus, but you still they're not going through that spring practice. So you've got you've got to try and get some of these guys ready because you just don't know. You can't bank on incoming freshmen being ready to go. You're not going to always land guys like Jalen Berger and, and Jonathan Taylor, guys who are you know coming onto campus and, and just being advanced compared to you know the the standard high school recruit that way. So it's going to be interesting to see how that room shakes out, not only this spring with, with them going through these aches and pains and injuries, but also into fall and, and trying to find something that you can get in case, um, you know, these injuries, these little, you know, Isaac Rendo with the hamstring. Unfortunately, hamstring injuries are something that can can keep coming up, you know, time in and time again. It's something that can always just kind of bother you, um, you know, going forward. So that's going to be one to keep an eye on. And then Julius Davis, again, a, a guy that's got a lot of talent, and we, but we just haven't seen really hardly anything. You know, one carry last year. Um, so that, that running back room is, is going to be an interesting one to watch for as well just because you don't have the names there right now and, and the depth there right now. And you've got the guys that are there um, you know, are, are battling those injury bugs a little bit. But on the positive side, Gary Brown did speak to the media as well. Um, kind of gave some lofty comparisons to, to, to uh, Jalen Berger. Reminded him of a, of a young uh, DeMarco Murray in terms of smoothness. So anytime you're getting compared to a guy that you know had a really strong run in the NFL, that's always good. So uh, did you take anything in particular from his comments? Yeah, it just sounds like the biggest thing for, for Berger is to continue working on pass blocking. Um, because he is, like, let's be honest, he is the most talented running back they got in the room. And so they need to get him on the field as much as possible. But he, Berger, when he was getting interviewed, mentioned that teams could probably key on the fact that he was going to be running the ball and not necessarily being used um, as either a blocker or as, as a receiver last year because he was still learning the playbook. And, and every time he was in, he was getting a carry for the most part, or it was a straight drop back um, in which he, he wasn't involved. But I'm, I'm thinking and I'm hoping that um, as they continue to work with him, he's got those receiving skills from his time as, as working in the slot in high school. So we know he can, he can be used as a pass-catching threat, and they used him in that role early uh, in that Michigan game. But I think now it's the pass blocking because we mentioned Brady Shipper, for example, but at the same time you've got to make sure that um, – you can have your best players out on the field, and that is is just flat um, Jalen Berger. And there's nobody else who's really close to him right now. And, and maybe Isaac Rendo can make a big step or, step or Julius Davis, but right now it's one guy, and, and there's a reason he's being compared to um, DeMarco Murray. I don't know if he's going to be ever that talented, but at the same time, he's getting mentored by Jonathan Taylor and being talked to about DeMarco Murray for a reason because – he was a very heralded recruit coming out of high school. Yeah, he's he's got a lot of talent. You, you talked about his pass catching abilities. If you can, you know, be a strong runner, a strong pass catcher, and a guy that can can pass block, uh, you're you're a very well rounded running back. And I think that would allow the Badgers to 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 really have some flexibility and not be so predictable um, when it comes to the offense. I know. Jonathan Taylor was, uh, of course, a great running back, but there were times where it was kind of obvious what Wisconsin was going to do because Taylor would come out 
and someone else, you know, would come in and, and you know, Groshek would come in and it's like, okay, it's a, it's a clear passing down because Jonathan Taylor just didn't quite have that pass blocking ability. So, um, so it's going to be an important development for him there as well. Uh, Jalen Berger can do a little bit of everything. If he can get to a level where Gary Brown feels comfortable having out there, I think that makes him even more of a dangerous weapon because the offense doesn't get uh, so predictable and, um, you know, the the obvious subs out right now in, in terms of the, the rotation that way. So that part's going to be important as well. But uh, overall, I, I think the, the comments for Gary Brown were, were pretty positive. It sounds like he's really enjoying um, where he's at and, and the guys that he's working with. And I, I think uh, he, he's a guy that I think is going to really inspire that running back room. I know he also talked about his battles, uh, of course, with cancer twice now. Um, so I think he'll be a really strong leader at the collegiate level and, and seems to be really enjoying his time at the position. Yeah, and I, I like that you mentioned that it's going to take time a little bit here for, for Berger to get there. It's Jonathan Taylor is a, a very, like, one of the most talented running backs to ever come through Wisconsin and really just collegiate football in general. And, and it took him two full off seasons before he got to his junior year and was at a point where he was, he was ready to, to take on blocks and catch passes out of the backfield routinely. So, we're asking a lot for Berger to kind of throw it into overdrive, but at the same time, it's it's a big thing that needs to happen for this Wisconsin offense to, to work at its best. For sure. I think the one other thing that I took from the running back room comments was, was Chenal. Um, of course, he mentioned he was looking to be a little bit lighter at the fullback position. I know, you know, Wisconsin athletics, you spend a little bit more time at fullback than probably most college programs, but... Um, he wanted to be more involved in the passing game um, and, and trying to get that you know, that him to that level. I think is going to be really important. Um, you know, I think that added wrinkle for the Badgers can be can be so critical to have a fullback that can do a lot of different things. Um, so I like that he mentioned that and, and that he's trying to get lighter on his feet and, and be more in, involved in that passing game because. Again, if you if you don't have as many running backs that you can lean on, if you can use the fullback in a lot of different ways, I think that can get you um, some positive yards and give you that extra wrinkle as well. So that's that's something to watch for in the running back fullback kind of room as you move forward here as well. Yeah, for sure, because he he brings he brings a pop when he's when he's a lead blocker. He also did really good job as just as in those fullback dive situations in short yardage. But but yeah, adding that element where he can get out in the flat, catch a pass, um, take a few for a few yards would be huge for this offense. And and really that was one of the big things that differentiated him from Mason Stocky last year and really the last two years that um, put him kind of second fiddle in a lot of ways. And so I think if he continues to work on that, that can go a long way to not only making the, the offense a little less predictable, but also um, giving giving him a little bit larger role in the offense. For sure. All right. Uh, there were some other players that spoke to media. Anything that you want to touch on before we kind of round up the, uh, the the Zooms and the media available for many of those guys, or do you want to talk about some official visits? Well, before official visits, there was two other things that kind of jumped out to me, and, and that the first one is, is more of a positive. I, I kind of see it as is Ben Barton, who they came in last year's class. He he was working on the defensive line, which he was just a kind of a jumbo athlete that they brought in and. When you look at how they're stockpiling offensive linemen, it makes sense for him to maybe flip over to the defensive line where he can help help them out there. So I'm, I'm interested to see kind of how this spring goes for him and if that's a permanent shift that happens. And then the other thing was the kicking. 
Um, yeah. I don't know if you uh, caught Paul Chris saying that he likes their approach, but they've got to be better than they were today. That's not necessarily great considering what we've already seen from the kickers in the past here. So I, I think that's a definite concern. I know that they've been bringing in guys. They've got another kid coming in uh, in the 2021 class that will be in here in the fall as a walk-on. But, but really, if, if it's early spring, and, and I, I don't want to blow everything up over one practice or anything like that, but Paul Crisp is talking about it through the lens of he's seen a lot of practices and has also seen the past couple years with the kicking game, and, and Colin Larsh has struggled, especially if you get anywhere with distance and or on a hash. And so I think that's definitely to something to keep an eye on here moving forward because having a reliable kicker is so huge, and Wisconsin has not had that for, for a bit, and that's been a, a struggle. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad that you mentioned both of those because those were ones that I kind of forgot about. But Ben Barton, I think the, the switch makes a lot of sense. When you, talk, you, you mentioned the recruiting that they've been on the hot streak that they've been on on the offensive line. It makes sense to maybe move him and get some depth there. So we'll we'll keep an eye on to see if that's permanent as the, the year goes on. But the, the kicking one is, is a good one to bring up because it it didn't really sound the the most confident. You know, you, you don't it didn't sound like he's like, Hey yeah, we're we're doing really well. We're kicking it, we're nailing it. Um anytime you say they've got to be better, especially with a guy like Paul Chris, he's he's not super negative he doesn't like it doesn't seem like a guy that wants to talk bad about anything right there but it doesn't sound like the confidence is certainly there right now and and thankfully it's early you know it's spring practice but for Wisconsin it's it's a position that they've kind of struggled at lately and they they certainly um, when the head coach is saying you need to be better at it there's there's a reason why he's saying that so there's certainly it sounds like some concerns there um, moving forward, and there was concerns over the last couple of years there, so it it seems like a reoccurring issue that hopefully they can get figured out because the having to rely on or not knowing um, when you you know when you're driving down the field, not knowing if you've got that guaranteed three points on the board uh, with a strong reliable kicker is makes it so much more uneasy for for a lot of people. I'm sure the coaching staff they like to. If you've got a solid kicker, you know that you've got three points, but sometimes you can drive down there, and if you miss a field goal, you come away with nothing. So that can be a really important element of the college football game. That Yeah, that third facet of the game is just so impactful, and, and so they've got to be more crisp next year. We saw punting take a nice step in a positive direction, but um, we also saw some things from even kickoff return um, and punt return. I like Dean Ingram back there, but, but I, I think the kicking game – um, most notably, just place kicking needs to be better. Yeah, the, the the special teams needs to be cleaned up, but they really got to start knocking the the ball through the goalposts and, and putting points on the board when it comes to that. All right, that kind of wraps up the the media stuff. Uh, of course, you know, anytime that uh, position coach or, or some players speak, um, we'll make sure to recap that on the podcast. But also on the recruiting trail, there's been some positive news. Some official visits getting scheduled. Mike O'Reilly, Ducker, four star TN. Tight end out of uh, Omaha, Aon Jones, three-star cornerback out of uh, Texas. Both guys have scheduled their official visits. Is there any others? I think those were the only two that I saw, at least that I caught. So there's, there's a bunch right now, and it really looks like June is going to be the time, which I know is, is usually when Wisconsin tries to use those official visits and tries to get guys out on the terrace, out on the lake, trying to experience Madison when it's nice out. Um, and that can really just be a huge 
Um, so that first weekend in June, they've got, I think it's four official visitors because Carson Hinsman, um is oh, also yeah. a kid who's, who's probably going to be coming then. And then the running back out of Pennsylvania, their top of the board running back, Nicholas Singleton, uh, is another guy. So those are both four-star kids that they're really high on. Singleton's going to be tough to beat out Penn State and some of the other heavy hitters for him. But then Austin Brown, safety out of Illinois, who the Badgers um, are in a pretty good position with, and then Caleb Coley. So that's that first weekend. And, and I think you look at all of those guys have really substantial offer lists, and the Badgers are right in the thick of things. So hopefully they can make some moves early in that first one. And then you, you mentioned um, – Avion Jones and Micah Riley um, coming in on that weekend of like what is the 18th. Then there's also Quintel Jones and Miles Burkett will also be there. So I think that's good to have an ambassador who's already committed, which should help in a lot of ways. And then uh, I, I think I remember Vinny Anthony, wide receiver out of Kentucky, coming later in, in June as well. So I would imagine that there's going to be more over the next few weeks as Kids are starting to get antsy, hoping for uh, the things to be lifted so they can actually get to campuses. And, and June seems like the time at, at this moment, and that's when official visits really will start ramping up. Yeah, it works out well. It seems like the the writing was kind of already on the wall for you know that recruiting dead period. It seemed like I know there's been reports even today that June 1st is going to be officially kind of lifted to to move that out, which I think will be huge to get that back to normal. I mean. I think that's kind of a, a storyline that maybe isn't getting as much attention in, in the college athletic world is this dead period. And I get you want to keep, of course, kids kids safe and people safe, but um, that, that dead period, you've got kids that are wanting to make a, a very big decision in their lives and, and you know Zoom calls and all that, that makes it so much tougher. You want to get on campus, feel like you're in a place that you're comfortable Madison in June is a one that where if you want to have a really strong recruiting pitch, um, you know, get kids on campus when when things are really you know popping and the summer's going and, and the terrace is um, a lot of fun. So I think that part um, is going to be huge. And and a lot of these guys are really talented players. So when Wisconsin can get them on there and, and really make their strongest pitch possible, it allows them to go a long way in um, in winning some of these recruiting battles. Yeah, and it's and it's fascinating because sometimes the order that you get guys literally matters. For example, the Badgers have Carson Hinsman first. Um, he's also visiting Iowa and Notre Dame, so he he's the top of the board offensive line recruit that the Badgers have been trying to land for a while now. Could, can they close the door after that official visit, or does he end up taking those visits? Um, in which case, that helps maybe a team like Iowa who's got the last visit. Um, so I, I think that's going to be something that's going to be fascinating to watch with with these official visits, but overall it's nice to see that the Badgers have quite a few already lined up and there's plenty of room. Like they don't have anybody signed up for that weekend of like June 11th at, at this point, I would anticipate that they're going to continue to fill that month of June and with as many official visitors as they can. And, and most of these guys are, are top of the board guys that they're really wanting and that I think are all looking to, to probably have a, a summer decision in mind. Yeah, that's going to be really uh, a fascinating storyline to watch how some of these guys shake out. I like that you mentioned, you know, the schedule of, of who's getting it first because sometimes Wisconsin will get guys on campus and they'll they'll be so loud that they'll they'll shut it down and make commitments. Um, you know, you know, 
soon after that. So that part's going to be fascinating to watch as well. But really, just getting back to normal, getting some of these guys on campus is going to be nice. That's that's how recruiting should go. Um, and I think it'll be important for these guys making those lifelong decisions um, you know, as they move forward to be able to get on campus. But all right, anything else you want to touch on? Otherwise, we can uh, wrap up another episode of the podcast. No, I think that should do it. I mean, really just very heavy football focus this episode. But um, as always, just hit us up with any questions. You can always direct messages on Twitter or on Instagram or put it in any of our show comments if you have any questions, and we'd be happy to hit on them later on the the week. Very well said. All right, guys, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening on Wisconsin. Thank you.